You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 125. I'm Steve Burnham, ably joined by David Ebden. G'day, Steve. And Letty Chen. Hi. Um, now, the Inspector General of Taxation, uh, he's just handed down a report. Um, which started, I think, more than a year ago, Letty, was it? Yes, um, um, late 2015. Okay, really. on, into employer obligations. Um, and Tax and Super Australia um, created a submission based on um, survey of our members and uh, also on a bit of um, helpline service calls that we get every now and then, and uh, some of it was on the employee contractor classification and a lot of other things. But, um, Letty, uh, the final report, what did the IGT come down with and think was most important? Sure, thanks, Steve. So, as by way of background, uh, it came to the IGT's attention that, uh, that the way that the ATO approaches employee and contractor obligations really needed to be looked at. And so the Inspector General put out a call for public submissions and as we are a representative body, we did that member survey in late 2015 yep. to see what your views were. And a lot of you may actually remember taking part in the survey. So your views actually really informed our submission to the Inspector General. For quite a long time now, the government's had a focus on reducing the compliance burden for small businesses. And so this review actually ties into that broader government agenda as well. And the key focus of this review was the fact that the employee contractor distinction really remains uncertain. So we have some guidance from the courts, some guidance from the ATO, but there's really no real true blue sort of dividing line between what is an employee and what is a contractor. Mm. And why is that so important? Well, it's because if you're an employee, well, or if your worker is an employee, you need to pay things like super guarantee charge, for example, and various other employment-related obligations. Yep. But if they're a contractor, they're responsible for all those sorts of things. And, themselves. of course, you get the situation where a lot of well, some employers are keen to push the contractor uh, classification because they get out of all those obligations. That's right. And, Dave, I think just before this podcast, you were telling me and Steve about how you had a client in your old firm who was really struggling with this distinction. Yes, yeah. Um, it was about this time last year, actually. Um a client came in and they had recently hired somebody with an ABN, believing that they were acting as a contractor almost. But uh, when you go through all the tests, uh, the place of work, the... There's a lot of them. Yeah, um, yeah there's quite a few of those tests. Mm. So you probably went through a few of them. Oh, you, yes. But some of them would have pointed to employees, some of them exactly, would exactly. contractor. But it sounds like from what you said, though, to us um, just before this podcast, ultimately you, you decided that... Uh, they were actually employee and that the exactly, employer... And that results in the super yeah. contributions being necessary. Uh, absolutely. Mm. And so it was a good thing that your client came to you um, just as they hired this person and, and not five years on the track. Oh, yes, <laughs> because this is exactly messy. the... Oh, no. uh, look, clients like that are good because they try to do the right thing by the tax office and by the law. And it's the ones that deliberately let it go, deliberately underpay their employment obligations that the ATO is really after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the... Inspector General's report has about 11 recommendations. Now, the ATO got you to take a look at this report before it was publicly handed down earlier this week to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And the ATO has agreed to about nine of them, at least in principle. You know, with some of them, they may want to adjust the actual details or the mechanics. Oh, right. But for nine out of the 11, the ATO has agreed to. What are the more important ones, yeah. do you think? So we won't go over all 11 during this podcast, but basically one really key one and that we absolutely agree with, which we pretty 
interested in our submission as well is that the IGT really recommends that the ATO clarifies the protection provided to those who use the employee contractor decision tool. Now, Dave and I were just playing on our computers before, as tax nerds do, <laughs> having a look at the employee contractor you tool. <laughs> but basically, if those of you who haven't used it, I really encourage you to go on the ATO website, have a look at it. Basically, what you do is you put in some answers to some questions that they ask you about the working arrangement, I suppose you'd call that, and it spits out an answer as to whether they think that it's more likely to be employee or contractor. Mm. Now, you know, this is really just, you know, a, a tick the box, click a button type of uh, questionnaire. Mm. So it's not some sort of full detail, legally binding advice, but it just gives people a good idea as to whether the worker they're taking on might be employee or contractor. And, and it would at least isolate the particular areas where they may need further clarification, such as Dave's client, for example, could very well have played on that himself before mm. coming to see Dave and he could have said, hey, look, Dave, some of this is quite clear, but there are a few questions here where I think I'm in the grey area between employee and contractor and, with my worker. Can you rely on the decision tool result? No, with, with all these sorts of decision tools, look, at the end of the day, they're meant to be just a helpful guide. Okay. Um, there's certainly no reliance that could be really placed legally. Look, at the end of the day, if you use it and you use it properly and you've tried your best and the ATO comes knocking on your the door of your business and oh, they yeah. say, no, no, we've looked at everything and we think that you, you've taken the wrong approach, right. they're actually employee, not contractor. If you can show that you tried your best and you did all your research and that included using the tool, yep. the ATO will probably be a bit more lenient in terms of fines and penalties and so forth because you did actually try. Yeah, I see. Uh, but at the, just because the tool itself says that someone's a contractor, it doesn't mean that that's the way that it's going to go once the full review under the law is taken. With all the facts. So, yeah, yeah, so the, what the Inspector General really wants, it's, it's just for a bit more certainty to be given to a taxpayer. Look, if we use this tool... We, we get a bit more protection. So that doesn't mean that the answer can't still be wrong. It's just that you'll, you'll be guaranteed a bit more protection from fines and penalties, for example. Yeah, you're not so reliant on the ATO officer making a discretionary judgment. Right. It's a very user-friendly tool as well, isn't it? It's very easy to use. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm. in terms of answering the questions and so forth, but I guess even though, even though we can use it, what do we do with the answers and how much can we rely on the answers? That's really the question, isn't it, Dave? Yes. So... Uh, the Inspector General also made some recommendation in relation to single-touch payroll. Now, a lot of people will be aware that for businesses with 20 employees or over, single-touch payroll becomes mandatory from 1st of July 2018. But it is voluntary from 1st July 2017. Some employees might want to opt in earlier. Mm. Uh, and we've done a whole heap of you know, podcasts and articles, things like that, single-touch payroll in the past. We're not going to go into details now. But to cut a long story short, the Inspector General... Um, does recommend that employees reporting requirements do get reduced by using the information obtained to prefill fields. Now, this is part of the part of the single-touch payroll design anyway, but I think the Inspector General is really just trying to make the point to the ATO that there are certain areas where they need to make it really easy for employers or to, to, um, to be able to prefill the employees' tax return forms and other information forms yeah. with the information that's provided. Another area is fringe benefits tax. Now, this this is always an area that's always up for a huge debate. For a long, long time, the tax profession has really been saying to the government, look, the FBT regime needs an overhaul, it needs a good review. The IGT basically agrees with that, uh, that the government really needs to review the FBT rules to see whether there can be compliance cost savings. And 
on the back of that as well, no, that, that's, a, that's, that's a recommendation to the government. So with these ITT reviews, some recommendations go to government, some go to the ATO. Oh, yeah. So reviewing a law is going to be really in the hands of the government. But the IGT is not letting the ATO off the hook for FBT. They also made a related recommendation to the ATO that they should publicly announce the areas of FBT compliance focus each year. So we're all familiar with the annual compliance focus that's announced for income tax. Yep. What areas that ATO is going to concentrate on this tax time, for example. And I'm sure leading up to tax time 2017, in the next two months, we'll be getting lots and lots of tidbits from the ATO about what specific areas they're going to be hunting Focusing down. On, yeah. <laughs> that's right, for 2017. Yeah. So the ICT say, hey, do the same for FBT so that people can have a better idea, better guidance. Yeah, yeah. Would that be at FBT return time or, I mean... Well, hopefully before then. Before <laughs> Certainly. Then, hopefully and, and set yourself up. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. That's right. So um, another key area for our members is also the taxable payment reporting system. Currently... Oh, for builders, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. People, uh, employers or businesses really in the uh, building and construction industry um, need to submit a report in relation to the payments that they've made to the contractors and that's to enable data matching by the ATO so, so the ATO can say, hey, this business says that they paid this amount to this particular contractor. Dave, how come Dave... He's not reporting that amount on his tax return. <laughs> what is he doing under the table? <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, in the federal budget, the government did announce its plans to extend this to a couple of other industries, including the cleaning industry. But what the IGT wants is extend this to all industries, really. Oh, but really? make But make the reporting automated so that it's not going to be an extra burden on employers. And what did the ATO say to that? So I think the ATO has agreed in principle. Okay. So another um, really big topic for our members is the personal services income regime. Now, everyone knows this is complex, it's hard to understand. And again, just like the employee contractor thing, there's really no absolutely definitive guidance. You run through a whole lot of tests, but there is still some judgment call involved. Mm. So what the IGT recommends is that the ATO enhances its own capabilities in-house, for example, by giving more relevant training packages, um, ensuring that the staff are assessed following their training and monitoring the results of quality assessments. Because this is on the back of taxpayers complaining that PSI audits are, have been very unfair, unduly burdensome, and it's just a nightmare for everybody, hmm. basically. Yeah, it'll be really good to see how the ATO rolls out these uh, proposed recommendations over the coming weeks and months. Weeks and months yeah. and years. I mean, some years. Yeah, the, very some yeah, the uh, taxable right. payment reporting would take ages to get across all industries. I mean, that's an uh, ambitious uh, goal. But, but we need to have some ambition, so... Well, we need so to have some changes, can, obviously. Yes, uh, right. This IGT report and a lot more of, uh, have emphasised that, that there is a need for reform and hopefully the, this, these sorts of reports go towards achieving that. Yeah, and it's very good that the IGT um, listens to views us? of us <laughs> yeah, representing our members yeah. and that the ATO and the government has listened to the IGT. You know, what, like Dave was saying, we've got to really wait and see, mm. but at least, at least they're getting started, aren't they? Yeah, that's excellent. And for the listeners who... I guess want to know more about the recommendations. I believe there's a nice article coming up in the July Taxpayer. That's right. Yes, that's right. You were talking about that before, so we'll, we'll uh, keep our eyes peeled for that. All right, uh, David and Letty, thanks again, and thank you, listeners, uh, for being with us. Uh, please come back next week. Mm-hmm.